This is the Rugby Muscle Podcast, talking all that you need to become the best rugby player you can be. Now here are the Rugby Muscle Coaches, TJ and Alex. Yes, 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 boys and girls, TJ here, back again with another Rugby Muscle Podcast, and guess who I'm joined by? You're correct, it's Alex. What's going on, Alex? Yeah, not much. Not much. We are, actually, we're joined by a third guest, but he's not here at the moment because we're just doing the intro. Uh, we, we decided to, when we got uh, Sam Portland of Ealing Rugby Club and Sportland Fitness, we got him on the podcast and we decided that we didn't want to expose him to Alex's useless fact of the week. But you, the listener, I'm pretty sure you love Alex's fact of the week. So we're going to get straight I into it. What's that? I don't know why we still do it. <laughs> we People go. love it. I, I actually I don't know anyone that loves it. But anyway, it's time for the facts of the week. Alex, what's the facts of the week? All right, mate. So, are you a tea guy? Do you drink tea? Uh, no, not really. You drink hot chocolate? Uh, no, not really. Oh, you're fucking useless. All right, so I drink coffee. There's a- do you dip biscuits in your coffee? No. You should try Oreos in coffee, by the way. It's amazing. Um, yeah, anyway, so 30% of adults have been scolded or burnt um, while dunking biscuits in their uh, tea or coffee. How many percent? About 29, but I said 30. Really? Wow, that's an interesting fact. So almost one third of people have been burnt by dip, uh, dipping their biscuits yeah. into a hot, or cookies into a hot chocolate or a tea or a hot coffee. drink. Yeah, that well, that I guess that's kind of interesting. Uh, anyway, let's move well, on to the main warning. What's that? A public safety warning. Yeah. So be careful. In fact, I tell you what, if you're if you're listening to this, you're probably into your diet. Unless you're in a big, horrible, nasty bulk, uh, don't waste time dipping biscuits and stuff because biscuits are a horrible amount of calories. And because no one's ever satisfied with just dipping two, you might as well dip in the whole box of Oreos. Yeah, you're, if you're going to have that. one Oreo, you've got to have the whole box. It doesn't yeah. matter Yeah, I think um, it's like a, you, um, a universal those, trigger food. Um, the, the purple Oreos? No, I've never like had a purple Oreo. Nope. Mate, they're, they're good. You gotta okay. Well, there you go. Get on to that. Um, and then moving on. Let's move on to the main part of the podcast. Um, but before we do that, actually, we're going <laughs> to ask you We're gonna ask you to go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't. I mean, you Yanks are letting us down. I know we get a good percentage of our listeners come from America, and we have got one almost, review from uh, America. It's almost 32%, 33% of listeners from America. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's that much, but yeah, it's it's up there. Yeah, I looked. I looked at the other day. Yeah, and we've got a lot of you Americans listening, but you you're freeloading enough of us, and we're not expecting you to pay us. We don't want you to pay us. All we want is a five star review on iTunes. If you don't mind, you don't even have to say anything. If you do, if you'd like to say something like Alex's facts suck, please still give five star review and say Alex's facts suck. But if you want to put in some banter, like we will read them on the next pod. As for this podcast, we are lucky to be joined in a two-part series with a little chat with Sam Portland of Sportland Fitness 
and Elian Trail Finders Rugby Club. I'll let him give you his whole background because that leads to a good discussion that we had that hopefully you guys can take some lessons out of. And then on from that, we discussed in this podcast about speed training and the nuances. And we get we get pretty technical, if I'm honest. And if you're not really sure what exactly we're talking about, we've put some helpful videos uh, and descriptions of stuff up on rugby-muscle.com on the the main page where you can view this podcast. So hopefully check that out and that should make sense to you. This podcast does get a little bit uh, choppy in points where Sam and Alex kind of cut out a little bit, but bear with it and you should be able to grasp exactly what they're going on about. It should all make sense. So without further ado, here is us talking with Sam Portland. Right, Sam. So welcome to the podcast. Pleasure to have you on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I guess start with playing background, but then get into your coaching background. But keep it short, okay. sweet. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, first of all, it's great to be on. Um, I mean, for me personally, started playing rugby was uh, eight, oh, nice. and just got in got into it like on a half term camp when my parents shipped us off to. Play multiple sports every day mm-hmm. rugby was on it was non-contact and i decided to try and tackle someone and then we signed up to our local rugby team that weekend um fast forward um we were playing um for colts captain my colts team did all the county stuff ended up playing when i was 17 going over to hawks to play in one of their like a-league fixtures from there, ended up sort of being far too small. Uh, so spent a couple of years get, trying to get bigger, went back a couple of years later, uh, broke my leg. Then that's what sort of led me into the strength and conditioning side of things. Because oh, cool. um, uh, I, was, I was at home. I had, you know, I had a broken leg and still wanted to, to train and stuff. So just had loads of time trawling around the like found the likes of Joe DeFranco, Elliot Hulse, Zach Evanesh. Um, oh, Elliot Hulse, that's old school. Yeah, yeah. Like he's um, he's he's got he. There are a lot of transformations in the past sort of decade from mm. following him when I first started to where he is now. He's he's well apart, but uh, I think that's the isn't he like a, like a fashion guru these days or something? Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. He's <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, yeah, he's he's a different character. He is a different it, it, character. He is like completely unapologetically himself, though. To be fair, yes, yeah, and you've got to admire that. You definitely yeah. admire that. Uh, yeah, for sure. He's got a, a he's great. He's got a big ability, yeah, um, which is always uh, admirable as well. Um, but then, yeah, so I started the the SNC stuff. Started training in my conservatory, like and. Uh, took over my garden shed at home started buying more gym equipment and then I outgrew that so I had to build another one garden my parents house which is like 25 foot by 60 foot wide now uh, deep so I've got a pretty decent home gym set up awesome um, yeah like I, I train people there I built it a lot more for selfish reasons because I hate commercial gyms and okay. when I built it I wasn't working full-time at a professional club so it was the only real access to a gym that i had and when 15 meters up the garden 
there's you can get in a workout whenever you want and you can just uh, shut the door and, and be done with it. So they have bounced around a few semi-professional clubs, uh, currently back playing at Henley Hawks in National 2. Um, and um, throughout that period, I interned at Wasps, um, then ended up with a spell of a total of like four years there. Um, two in the academy, two with the senior set, and then now this year is my first year Ealing Pearl Finders in the championship um, as a assistant strength and conditioning coach. So that's kind of like fast, sped up version of it. Nice, so, um, good stuff. This, a, a lot of our listeners are, are going to be looking at strength coaching or playing in the fitness area. Yeah. You've got an interesting background in that in terms of you've worked with some outstanding. Um, how did you get into that? So, um, I it was it was a luck, and this for me definitely tells you that people and connections are more important than connections. Because I was I finished university whilst so I started my own personal training uh, sort of, um, which is now sort of transformed into my strength and conditioning consultancy, mm-hmm. but. I started training like my mum. I remember paid sessions for my friend. I gave him three sessions for a tenner and just started coaching. Uh, yeah, so I just started coaching. Um, and so I'd built all this experience from I'd had probably five years of PT, S&C coaching experience, or what I thought was strength and conditioning at the time. Um, I graduated from university and then started to, for internships and it was random Mike Wadanga out in the States tweeted anyone in the UK um, I know a coach coming over that's willing to meet up with some people so I jumped on that straight away and contacted him I was like can I have this guy's email and who it was turned out to be James Smith so nice. uh, the guy that's recently just he's done his print manual he's Government. We're big fans of him here. Yeah, yeah. So he, ever you'll you'll know who he is. He's he's an absolute legend. And I ended up, yeah, shadowing him for two weeks. He was training some near. So I got in contact with him. I was like, "Look, can I come and kind of come and observe?" And he did, and at that, I applied for an internship at Wasps. And, You'll probably know Keir Wenham Flat, who, mm-hmm. who is over in Japan, and he was the head of academy there and kind of linked up James coming over through, uh, through I can never pronounce his surname, but angry coach Bob, um, um, and he linked those together. And then as I was applying, I told James, and James applied. So from that, I got the um, turned up late because um, I got stuck in traffic. Asked me if I needed cones. Told him real coaches don't use cones, <laughs> and then proceeded to cone. So after been here now for about five or six years, he was uh, got the interviews because uh, told me told him that he should interview me. So that no. was uh, that's how I got in. Huh? The <laughs> The way forward then. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, 
there's definitely there's definitely a place where you just got to be hungry for it as a young coach you've got to be hungry for it you've completely open to being broke unfortunately industry is when when you start but you've got a i mean then that should change and there's a lot of things around that that need to change such as the the term strength yeah. and conditioning coach to get rid of all these instagram wankers um and that keeps that keeps the industry secure which then further facilitate i mean for interns etc but as a young person coming up you've got to have your eyes eyes open mouth shut and, and ears very, very receptive yeah for um, sure I appreciate that you, like, when you started out as well, it wasn't just knowledge that you were learning. Like, you practiced actually coaching people, even if it was for, yeah, you said, like, you know, a tenner for four sessions or something, you know. Yeah. But there is a big Uh, difference between, like, knowing what the science is, and we spoke about this before we actually started recording. You know, there's a big difference between knowing what the science is and, like, knowing how to apply it and then actually applying it to people that have to do have to learn things themselves and have got their own things going on in their life you know yeah everyone's not just 100 percent like the the basic basics that like a squat a squat it doesn't matter if it's like i use the example i used to teach my mum how to squat um you're still going to pick up the the communication skills and the ability to think on your feet to change something make it understandable to the person in front of you and and that's doesn't matter if they're really yeah. Joe Launchbury or Joe Blogs down the road. It's still all the same. Is that also the same as uh, if I see someone squatting and it isn't a perfect squat on Instagram, can I then just say that their squat's shit? Is that the same thing as coaching? Because that's what no. we seem to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's being a fucking arsehole. That's what, mate, you can't, you can't share a picture of any squat. Like, literally, there's like... Olymp- world class like world record holding Olympic weightlifters that will upload a picture of a squat and there'll still be some dickheads commenting saying oh this is wrong your knees have caved in or whatever F- yeah. fucking oh yeah that's, anyway uh, yeah that's that's another argument isn't it yeah. or rant oh god yeah right, speaking DJ, of um, yeah rants and things people get wrong <laughs> uh, we're going to talk on, about speed, speed for rugby yeah Right. Uh, okay. Um, so, for me, uh, speed—it's you know, all about physics. The understanding of physics is, you know, the the, the place to start with all Newtonian physics. Yeah, you sold it to me already. <laughs> to to be precise, um, and is it, sorry, third law. Just. Um, about Newtonian physics, just explain a second and third laws, just so they understand what's going on. Uh, I, I always get mixed up, but the, you've got uh, inertia. You've yeah, got, so third law is overcoming inertia. Objects, the static needs a force to overcome that. Then you've got uh, F equals MA. Yeah. Uh, which yep. is the concept of acceleration. Mm-hmm. And then the the best one and the the most commonly sort of um, used in analogous terms is the third law. Every everything has an equal and opposite reaction, um, which is needs to be the death of speed ladders in terms of developmenting speed and the death of the Q high knees. Um, 
So let's just um, before we completely disregard speed, disregard, yeah, disregard speed ladders. Do you yeah. think there's ever a place for that? Um, oh yes, I do. I think there is. There is a place only in the really early stages of rehabilitation. Yep, cool, wicked. Same level there. Yeah. Yeah. So we, when I was doing the rehab um, conditioning at Wasps, we did use ladder because it's it's un, it, it falls under the task of general motor programming. So if someone's wrote off their ankle or their knee or something like that, they just need to learn to put your foot in a box and get it back out. And it's just a that's a really good uh, constraint led approach to just getting getting that done. I like that because when, if especially on this podcast, if you make a blanket statement, even if and it applies to ninety nine percent, Alex will always pull you up on that one percent that it might apply to. Yeah, important. What's that, mate? Okay. It's important. Yeah, it is. So, so we're talking about uh, equal and opposite reactions. So let's start with your thoughts on: um, Do you need to get strong for strength training and speed? Uh, well, let's define strong first. If you want to, yeah. So, see, this is the this is the interesting thing about speed and going through a bit of an evolution with myself at the moment. You've heard JP Marin talk about um, Christophe Lemaitre running sub ten and never done weights in his life, um, yeah. uh, but then could he? Uh, a bit of a freak probably yes but right. then later yeah he's not he, he just tells the story that he's, he's then went into a full um, and then uh, never run sub uh, sub uh, 10 since so that that throws out a lot of things but um, for me in terms of just a field setting you need to be able and your body needs to be able to understand the contract or elements of sprinting and the demand that you can you can start that in the weight room, you can, yeah. because a lot of these guys um, and that we come across and girls, they're weak. Everyone is, is, and arguably a young athlete that's play, that's been in track and field, all the winter training is circuits, med balls, and extensive play, so uh, they're getting strong via other means. So, but when you get you come into rugby sports it's the it's ad in the corner i'm going where let's run laps let's do this let's do that and sit up and all mm. sorts and they just fuck their kids they don't have some sort of uh call approach to development so when you get them at 18 19 they're they're still very very so you need to still place those structural foundations of basic squatting basic hinging loading the hip single leg um and then and then pushing on from there so i think answers that question so, so from what i understand you're saying then is you build up basic strength level first hit some kind of standard wherever your stance happen to be and then you can look at the speed work from there well no because because speed is a skill i think they're speed, speed training right yeah so they both they'll both work together because the last thing that I get my guys to do in order to develop speed is to run fast because they they haven't got the the timing, they haven't got the coordination, they haven't. So, what you do is if you can just you layer those, if they if they learn 
to hit the ground in a sequential manner, in a rhythmic manner, in a relaxed manner as well, they're going to be better runners because that's just going to transfer as they increase the speed. Yeah. As you get as you get later on down that line, the only way to get better running fast is to run fast. Yeah, so there's there's that there's that element where if you want to like Dan Path says it all the time, it's like it, why why do things slow well and you do them wrong fast? So yeah. that's, you don't know Dan Path is um, Google Plyometrics. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's an incredible spring coach and and well, athletics uh, coach. I was lucky I went out to the uh, World Athletics, which is now Altis, uh two summers ago, and that was great experience spending some week oh, yeah. week watching him. Yeah, he was he was incredible. So, I mean, yeah, with these guys, is you've got to, you've got to teach them just generally put force into the ground, and this comes back to the equal and opposite reaction. You've got to get the guys to understand that if they do put force into them, it is going to return. They have to orient, orientate the force in the right to, to engineer the response that they want. So we spent, I mean, this year in pre-season, we didn't, um, with no acceleration stuff, the guys didn't, guys didn't really push out for eight weeks to a week out of pre-season. Everything was just understanding how to how to orientate push into the ground and uh, understand that task first because we get guys like run fast and their first instinct is to chuck a high mm. it needs to be the other way around so you did so, eight weeks of uh, like basically just technique work and whatnot before you even just want to hammer this point home before you even did a single like full out sprint yeah pretty much like we got in um, in the first sort of intro, interim periods, we uh, so we filmed their uh, acceleration, so like mm-hmm. start film their acceleration from the front and the side, um, and then we filmed basically like a five meter, uh, two or three reps off each side, just to see how they turn and each uh, each and every one's sort of movement signal. And there's lots of commonality between them all. Um, it just having never been really taught, excuse me, how to sprint and how to move, that we had to really address the fundamental basics, which was the interaction with the ground, to change yeah. ground velocity, as it were. And that's a, a crucial point, actually. Well, I've got two points that I wanted to make off of what, the back of what you just said there. But, I mean, the first one being that you... You said you did eight weeks of them before you even, you know, had them sprinting full out. What do you think about these people that are really quick to try and, you know, before they've even got their sprint or agility mechanics down or whatever, they're running between cones, they're doing everything to try and make it their sprints like rugby specific. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Do you think people uh, yeah. tend to rush into that too quick? Yeah. And, I've, I've, and what are the dangers of doing that? Well, basically... All you're doing is is just moving fast poorly. Yeah. So, what are you actually what are you actually chasing? Like, you you there's no all I can see from things like that is that you just got the objective marker to to get round these cones as as quick as possible by any means necessary. Yeah. That's not going to protect you or facilitate development. It's kind of like the you know like the the big kid at uh, the tens. 
kid at the 16. So what may last work for a couple of seasons or a season is not going to be there's not going to be any long term benefit. For yeah, um, or it's someone that can like for example someone that could squat 180 kilos but he can only squat high. You know, you have to take yeah. a step back, bring everything yeah. down and then you can get back to where you are. Yeah, and like obviously I'm maybe not mentioned coaches in particular because personally I think that people that do that are don't understand what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, sure. if you you can coach speed with no and be very effective if you have to use too many implements then you don't know what you're trying to do yeah all these um, ladders and stuff do my head in like yeah. you see it and it's and it's it, what annoys me more i think is that it gets a lot of traction on like social media so you've got this guy um i think his name is lewis Badillo jr He's a, he's renowned for the guy with the world's fastest feet or whatever, and there's like literally loads of clips of him doing the. What's that? Wow! But don't give him any more air time. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. But he, he like you watch him, and it's as if he's doing all these drills like on a fast forward like times four or something. But then you look in the peep things in the background, and they're moving at normal speed. So you're like, oh shit, this guy is literally moving that fast. But then you think. If you're if you have that ability to move that fast, why aren't you in a professional sports team? You know, why yeah. are you spent wasting all of your time doing this fucking stupid stuff with ladders and whatnot when you can actually be getting fast and maybe getting paid for being an athlete or something? Yeah, well, exactly, and it, it you know it goes to sh- it goes to show that if you were, if you were to a top class winger and a top class second row on the line together, meters they'll be roughly the same. Mm. If they're, they're all putting force into the ground, uh, the appropriate is equal. They're going to be roughly the same. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just need you don't need fast feet. You need forceful contacts. Acceleration should be slow. Should look slow, but it's fast. Should feel slow, but it's fast. I like that. You know, because you could because you're pushing. Yes. And the best tool that we use uh, at Ealing is the Ealing pulley. Um, and I, I used that when I was uh, working in athletics last season on a sort of part-time basis. Uh, we used the, the pulleys loads, and they're fantastic. Uh, they're better than sleds. It, it really teaches for acceleration development. It really teaches push. Um, What's just, the difference between those now. and sleds for people who are listening? Pardon? What's the difference between the pulley system and the sleds in, like for this or for acceleration, just for our listeners. So with with the pulleys, um, it's um, it's basically a, a rope is fed through a pulley, and you can winch it to apply up to five hundred pounds of pressure on the rope. Mm-hmm. So, regardless of uh, of your velocity, you're constantly there's say instance, five pounds of pressure slowing that. Um, slowing that uh that rope down so effectively slowing you down mm-hmm. whereas a sled it's it's 10 kilos or, or whatever and it's that's constant because that sled is picking up velocity as well so it's moving with you so yeah, therefore so once you've got it moving it stops tough. resisting as much yeah, I've actually sent a pulley out. I like the pulleys. I've sent one out to one of my uh, athletes actually that's working on his acceleration in a minute and it's because 
it's I, I just enjoy the convenience of it that you can literally plonk it, go to a park anywhere and just set it yeah. up and it's real easy to use. You know, you can't tra- you yeah. can't do that with a fucking sled and a hundred kilos of weights. No, no, exactly. Yeah, it's a really good uh, good piece of uh, kit. And this is where with the with the development and, and understanding that we spent a lot of time over the last sort of three or four weeks at the club with with the bat talking about um connection with and how it links in, into speed in some walks with the guys we do a lot of movement we do our shuffling we do this we do our drills and, and stuff like that but we we yeah we rarely touch on real live action um because essentially it's uh you have to have the pre-planned um, movements in your but it's uh reflective action it comes off of stimuli and um we had a great example of training this week where we someone hit the ground i'd put loads of force into the ground about eight meters away from cover in defense and broke the hole because the change of direction was affected nice. um which was again just it's all a uh, um uh wingman talks about it positions patterns power you know if you can lay it on then, then you'll or you then you'll go in the right direction. And where I think speed for sports um, completely falls foul is the lack of understanding of the decisions athletes have to make to change change direction while negotiating the task demands of the sport. So they'll now doing the change of direction drills like we've talked about. But what happens when you've got a hundred kilo um, eight bearing down off the back of the scrum and you're a centre and he's he's coming to chop your legs off? Like you've got that added pressure and you've got that added thing to negotiate. So down cones for me just doesn't work. Yeah. So I um I was talking to Frank from uh, Pirates today. Uh huh. Um, and he he actually was speaking about something similar in terms of just drilling this and drilling this and drilling this. What what um, positions are you looking for your boys to? So if you could give us maybe three or four examples of um, cues that you'd want them to get in right. Yeah, so um, for for general acceleration, we like to use the um, fast thighs um, because if you give too much to the athlete, gonna they're just gonna get confused. And I took that cue off of Dan Howes from England Sevens, and he was working with Joe do of Speedworks with some of their guys and they sort of came and found that it worked well so I tried it and ran with it uh, the, with, yeah I like um, fast thighs that's nice because yeah. when you say knees people just pick their knees like directly up not forward yes yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's and not that, what you want uh, in uh, acceleration yeah, 100% and um, in terms of in terms of change of direction I uh, use fast thighs as well because uh, a big cue is obviously get low and fast thighs out whichever way you want to go so because the profiles of a cut or a hard change of direction the same for acceleration so in in the evolution of the athlete for them to understand that what they're doing is valid and, and what they're trying to practice is valid then they have to see the two um like a, tr- a true change of direction would slow because 
you have to negotiate, hit the limb hard, and then get out. It won't build as fast in relation yeah, to maximum it. running. That's, what, that's yeah. why I say slow. Um, but um, yeah, get low, hit it hard, and hit it early, change of direction massively for me because everyone, everyone, um, you know, we played yourself before you know it, you're the defense is on top of where if you're if you the ball hard and you change hard they've got to chase you and that's that's the difference between being an offensive effective player and a, a passive attacker well and there's a difference between stepping an actual person that can reach you and they can move rather than stepping a cone like if, yeah. if you you can step really quickly and step a cone but effectively you're not even going to maybe move sideways like a meter if that Whereas if you're actually yeah. planting, getting a strong cut, you know, you've got a lot more room to get around uh, a defender. And that's where I think oh. people go a lot uh, wrong a lot. You know, they step, but they're not really stepping around the person. They're just stepping almost into their other shoulder or something. And it's you don't realise how much lateral movement you need to do as a player in order to execute like a real, real like Quade Cooper-esque effective sidestep. Yeah, it needs to be, it needs to feel over-exaggerated then it probably isn't it needs to really commit you have to like acceleration to go forward you have to move of mass so to change direction you have to move yeah. you can't just uh, put a foot outside for instance the ladder drill you have to you have to load you have to throw the hip you i like um with our early rhythmic stuff we do um sway work so um we just we just stand. We drop into a low position, and we just orientate our. Um, we sway left, sway right, sway forward, sway back. We open up. We we sway into a lunge. We do walking sways. We do walking combinations of sways, so they understand their right, left, right. So their left, right, left. When they're when they're breaking. Um, and, and I'm going to interrupt you there for a second, mate. And it's yeah. for people who aren't sway work and leading with the hips, right? Uh, it is leading with the hips. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you essentially you'll be if you're in athletic stance, you'll be driving your hip and your knee uh, to the to the way that you want to go by pushing the opposite foot. So people don't know what you're talking about when you say swaying. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any videos of these swaying drills? Uh, yeah, I have. I'm pretty sure some in a in a library. I'm going through at the moment trying to update all my YouTube. Yeah, I've seen it. We're gonna uh, we'll. We'll link a couple of those at rugby-muscle.com and if you need to check out what the bloody hell we're talking about, you can you can look there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're going to draw a line there and say that is the end of this podcast for Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday with Sam discussing in depth about force plates and how... Uh, different elite athletes can have real big weaknesses from one side to the other, meaning they might have a real weak left leg compared to their right, and how that might end up with them getting injuries and what you guys as listeners and athletes as well can do about it. We then have a little bit of discussion about autoregulation, stress and the hustle mentality and whether it's actually a good thing. So we'll be back on Thursday with all of that. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please just go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I know I keep banging on about it, but really does help the show. Head on over to rugby-muscle.com and pick up your free 50-plus conditioning sessions, your whole 
Talking Edition Guide, a four-week free program. And also, if you just want to check up on the show notes and check up on a few things that you weren't quite sure about what we discussed, there should be videos up on rubby-muscle.com. And also, just get in touch with us if you've got any questions that you'd like us to answer in future pods. We'll try and get them answered if you just get in touch. It's as simple as that. A number of boys have already done it, and you can too. And with that, we're going to leave you with... We're going to leave you. See you in the next podcast. (laughs) 